Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home for Thursday, July 14th, 2022. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, Celsius files for bankruptcy. Tesla loses a key autopilot exec. Netflix chooses Microsoft for its ads partnership. Could TikTok be a long-term problem for Google Search? And the reviews are in for the new MacBook Airs with M2 chips. Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. Celsius has officially filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection in New York, declaring assets and liabilities between $1 billion and $10 billion. Quoting CNBC, In a Wednesday statement, Celsius said it would look to stabilize its business by restructuring in a way, quote, that maximizes value for all stakeholders, end quote. Celsius said it has $167 million in cash on hand to support operations in the meantime. The Hoboken, New Jersey-based company made headlines a month ago after freezing customer accounts blaming extreme market conditions. The company has more than 100,000 creditors, which could include both customers and lending counterparties, according to the bankruptcy document. Its largest unsecured claim comes in the form of $81 million from Cayman Islands-based Pharos Fund. The filing also lists billionaire FTX CEO Sam Bankman-Fried's trading firm Alameda Research as a creditor with a $12 million unsecured loan. Celsius was one of the largest players in the crypto lending space with more than $8 billion in loans to clients and almost $12 billion in assets under management as of May. Celsius said it had 1.7 million customers as of June and was competing with its interest-bearing accounts and yields as high as 17%, end quote. Bloomberg is reporting that Celsius has repaid more than $900 million in debt to various DeFi platforms, while its customer withdrawal freeze still continues on, reaching a full month of nobody being able to get their money in or out at this point, thereby raising a legal debate on who should be paid first in situations like this, and quoting the Financial Times. Interviews with a dozen former Celsius employees, as well as customers, investors, and industry executives, reveal that the company was poorly positioned to ride out the market turbulence. Internal documents reviewed by the Financial Times back up these concerns. The company's own compliance department warned of poor oversight, weak internal systems, and the possible misrepresentation of financial information. Together, they suggest that a reckless pursuit of high returns, as well as losses from a string of bad bets, contributed to the downfall. Celsius did not respond to requests for comment, end quote. Eyes raised emoji. Tesla's senior director of artificial intelligence, Andre Karpathy, says he is leaving the company after about five years. Karpathy led the computer vision team for Tesla's autopilot. Quoting CNBC, Karpathy's departure follows the closure of a Tesla office in San Mateo, California, where data annotation teams were helping to improve the company's driver assistance technology. According to records from the California Employment Development Department, 229 people were dismissed from that office. Carpathy, whose title was Senior Director of AI, worked out of Tesla's former headquarters in Palo Alto, California, and reported directly to Elon Musk. It's been a great pleasure to help Tesla towards its goals over the last five years and a difficult decision to part ways, Karpathy wrote on Twitter. In that time, Autopilot graduated from lane-keeping to city streets, and I look forward to seeing the exceptionally strong Autopilot team continue that momentum, end quote. He added, I have no concrete plans for what's next, but look to spend more time revisiting my long-term passions around technical work in AI, open source, and education, end quote. CEO Elon Musk thanked Karpathy for his work in response, end quote. So is this another reaction to the whole return to the office order? 
Also, apparently, Karpathy had been on sabbatical for the past few months. So I guess the odder thing to me about this story is Elon Musk allows sabbaticals? Netflix has named Microsoft as its, quote, global advertising technology and sales partner for its upcoming ad-supported streaming tier, rumored to arrive later this year. Bit of a surprise picking Microsoft, though, quoting The Verge. In a post on Microsoft's blog, the company says marketers will work with Microsoft to bring ads to the Netflix ecosystem. Today's announcement also endorses Microsoft's approach to privacy, which is built on protecting customers' information. Mikhail Parakin, Microsoft's president of Web Experiences, says outside of Netflix, Microsoft is also reportedly looking into bringing ads to free-to-play Xbox games. Choosing Microsoft recalls a close relationship between the two for streaming launches. The first version of Watch Instantly that streamed mostly B-movies used Microsoft's Silverlight technology to deliver video instead of the more common Flash player until it was replaced by HTML5, and the Xbox 360 was the first console with an HD Netflix streaming app, end quote. Google Cloud has announced a preview of Tau T2A, its first ARM-based virtual machines, powered by Ampere Ultra, with up to... 48 vCPUs, each with up to 4 gigabytes of memory, quoting TechCrunch. It's been a long time coming, but Google Cloud today announced its first ARM-based VMs, following AWS with its Graviton instances and Azure, which also recently launched ARM VMs. But while AWS built its own custom chips, Google Cloud is following Azure's lead here by using chips from Ampere. These new virtual machines, which are now in preview, will join Google Cloud's line of Tau VMs under the Tau T2A moniker. This line launched almost exactly a year ago using AMD Milan processors to offer a better price-performance ratio. The new chips will come in predefined SKUs with up to 48 vCPUs, each with up to 4 gigabytes of memory. The VMs will offer up to 32 GBPS of networking bandwidth and support the usual range of storage options available in the Google Cloud ecosystem. Google says these CPU specs will make these machines usable for a wide range of workloads, including as web servers and for running containerized microservices, data logging applications, and more. Like the AMD-powered Tau chips, Google sees these as its price-performance-optimized solution. A 32-core Tau T2A VM in Google Cloud's U.S. Central One region will cost $1.23 per hour, for example. Users will be able to use the likes of RHEL, CentOS, Ubuntu, and Rocky Linux on these machines, in addition to Google's own container-optimized OS for running containerized applications. At this point, ARM support has become table stakes for most OS and software vendors, which in turn also greatly enhances the usefulness of these VMs and those of Google's competitors, end quote. Guys, we don't have to choose between hair growth and our health. Nutrafol's drug-free whole-body approach promotes hair growth from within. No compromises, just better hair. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement brand with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster-growing hair with less shedding. 
With Nutrafol, building a hair growth routine is simple. Purchase online, no prescription or doctor's visits required. Free shipping and automated deliveries ensure you'll never miss a day. See results in three to six months. While many supplements rely solely on ingredient studies, Nutrafol clinically tests final formulations to ensure their efficacy. In a clinical study, 84% of men showed improvement in their hair after six months taking Nutrafol's men's hair growth supplements. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com slash men and enter the promo code RIDEHOME. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com slash men, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com slash men, and enter promo code RIDEHOME. When you go through airport security, there's one line where the TSA agent checks your ID and another line where a machine scans your bag. The same thing happens in enterprise security, but instead of passengers and luggage, it's end users and their devices. These days, most companies are pretty good at the first part of the equation where they check user identity, but user devices can roll right through authentication without getting inspected at all. In fact, 47% of companies allow unmanaged, untrusted devices to access their data. That means an employee can log in from a laptop laptop that's had its firewall turned off and hasn't been updated in six months or worse, that laptop might belong to a bad actor using employee credentials. Collide finally solves the device trust problem. Collide ensures that no device can log into your Okta-protected apps unless it passes your security checks. Plus, you can use Collide on devices without MDM, like your Linux fleet, contractor devices, and every BYOD phone and laptop in your company. Visit collide.com slash ride to watch a demo and see how it works. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash ride. I need to dig deeper into this, but a Google exec is suggesting Instagram and TikTok are eating into Google's core products especially search and maps, quoting TechCrunch. Senior Vice President Prabhakar Raghavan, who runs Google's knowledge and information organization, referenced the popular social apps in a broader conversation at Fortune's Brainstorm Tech Conference about the future of Google's products and its use of AI. In a discussion about the evolution of search, he somewhat offhandedly noted that younger users were now often turning to apps like Instagram and TikTok instead of Google Search or Maps for discovery purposes. We keep learning over and over again that new internet users don't have the expectations and the mindset that we have become accustomed to, Raghavan said, adding, the queries they ask are completely different. These users don't tend to type in keywords, but rather look to discover content in new, more immersive ways, he said. In our studies, something like almost 40% of young people, when they're looking for a place for lunch, they don't go to Google Maps or search, he continued. They go to TikTok or Instagram. That figure sounds a bit shocking. We have to admit, Google confirmed to us his comments were based on internal research that involved a survey of U.S. users ages 18 to 24. The data has not yet been made public, we're told, but may later be added to Google's competition site, along with other stats like how 55% of product searches now begin on Amazon, for example. While older internet users may not be able to wrap their minds around turning to a social video app to find a restaurant, this trend could cut into Google's core business of search and discovery over time. 
not to mention the ads sold against these sorts of queries. While younger users may eventually launch some sort of Maps app for navigation purposes, this data indicates they don't necessarily start their journey on Google anymore. That means all the work Google did over the years to organize, curate, and recommend various businesses, such as local restaurants or its creation of discovery tools inside Google Maps, could be lost on these younger internet users. Raghavan also explained how younger people were generally interested in more visually rich forms of search and discovery, and that wasn't just limited to where to eat. He pointed out that the young people coming online today had never seen a paper map, but Maps products have been designed to look like a paper map that's been stuck on a phone. This doesn't meet younger users' expectations and is the wrong experience to offer them, he said. We have to conjure up completely new expectations, and that takes altogether new technology underpinnings, Raghavan noted, and quote. So I've been used to believing that TikTok is endangering Meta's business, as we've discussed. Maybe all social networking companies are threatened by TikTok. But could TikTok really be a long-term threat to Google as well? That's what I need to think about a bit. Though, might this also tie into the whole Apple ATT changes and controversy. Our friend Chris Mims recently had a piece suggesting that that whole super app concept from Asia is getting another hard look from a lot of folks, because if you can keep your users in your app, then you don't have to worry about third parties. All the data is first party in that scenario, and thus yours to do with whatever you want. Which makes me think, I'm sure there's a history on this, and I'm sure it was explored extensively, but why did Facebook never attempt to eat Google's lunch itself? by building more robust search inside all of its apps. Finally today, the reviews of the M2 MacBook Air are here, and as per usual, I'm going to go to The Verge to quote from the intro and the conclusion of their review. Dan Seifert reminds you of that issue where the base model of the new MacBook Airs have slower SSD speeds, but he says this, quote, The M1 MacBook Air was, and still is, one of the most impressive laptops we've ever tested. Dieter Bohn called it a triumph at the time. That's quite a bar to live up to, and with all the changes Apple made to the M2 model, it's fair to wonder if this new model can best the prior version. For the most part, that answer is yes, but as they say, the devil's in the details, and there are quite a few details to note here. The new MacBook Air borrows a lot of its design and shape from the MacBook Pro 14 and 16 that debuted late last year. It's symmetrical and squared off with a more brutalist presentation than prior MacBook Air models, yet it's remarkably thin, just a smidge over 11 millimeters, and that thinness is immediately noticeable when you open the lid and start typing on it. It's also noticed when you slot it into a bag or carry it around. The older MacBook Air's tapered shape had less visual weight, and might have looked thinner, but the new model is indeed slimmer than its predecessor. It's also slightly lighter at 2.7 pounds versus the older model's 2.8. That's not a huge difference, and the Air is far from the lightest computer you can buy, but it does make it extremely portable and easy to tote around wherever I need it. This new Air is a beautiful computer, and I think the design will work well for the next five or possibly more years, or until Apple updates it again. Unless you get the new Midnight Color. This new color is gorgeous out of the box with a deep blue-black finish that can change depending on the light, but as soon as you pick it up, it gets covered in greasy fingerprints that are a chore to clean off. It really mars what is otherwise a striking finish. Apple's far from the only company to face this problem with dark aluminum. Razer's laptops have been fingerprint magnets for years, but it's enough of an issue that I wouldn't buy the midnight model. 
I've also had the opportunity to test the model in the silver gold starlight color, and its surface stays fingerprint free. If you only do photo or video editing occasionally, there's no good reason to trade away all the benefits that the Air has over the 13-inch M2 Pro, such as the better screen, better webcam, MagSafe, thinner and lighter weight, and so on, just to save a few seconds on tasks. If you are going to be relying on your computer for regular intensive creative work, however, such as professional video editing, raw photo editing, or even a lot of coding work, the Air is probably not the right computer for you, and you should probably be looking at a MacBook Pro model, likely a 14 or 16-inch model. But for the vast majority of laptop users, the M2 Air more than suits their needs and comes in a lighter, quieter package than the MacBook Pro models. The new MacBook Air is a success on virtually every level. It's got a better screen, thinner and lighter design, better speakers, a much improved webcam, an excellent keyboard and trackpad, more convenient charging, and excellent build quality. But that success comes at a cost, literally. And the performance and advancements over the M1 model aren't as stark as the design and feature improvements are. The M2 Air is a better choice for the vast majority of people over the 13-inch M2 Pro model, even though the Pro has slightly better performance and longer battery life. The harder choice for many laptop buyers coming from older Intel MacBooks or even switching from Windows to Mac for the first time will be choosing between getting similar performance and battery life with the M1 Air for a significantly lower cost, especially when you consider how easy it is to find M1 models discounted or paying more for the better quality of life features that come with the M2 model. I'd personally lean towards the M2 Air, the thinner design and better screen are very compelling for me, but only if I was willing to spend $1,500 or more to get one with at least 512 gigabytes of storage and perhaps 16 gigabytes of RAM. If that's just too much for your budget, then the M1 Air remains an excellent option." End quote. nothing for you today, although I did put an order in for one of those new MacBook Airs with the M2 chip. It says it's going to get here August 1st. I don't think we're doing a Twitter space tonight, but I'll tweet out later if we change our mind on that. Assuming we don't change our mind, talk to you tomorrow.